Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Psalm 119, verse 160, New International Version. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 through 39, New International Version. Hello. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm Victoria Kay, here in the studio today with R.D. Fierro, author and founder of Crystal Sea Books. Today we're continuing our series on Noah and the Ark, taking a fresh look at one of the best known of all the Bible stories. R.D., what made you decide you wanted to revisit a story which is so well known that even people who don't identify as Christians can at least give you the broad outlines of the story? Well, one reason I wanted to take a new look at the story of Noah and the Ark is because it is so well-known. But despite the fact that it is a very well-known, probably among the best-known of all the Bible stories, that a lot of people don't actually focus on the details of the story that are contained in the Bible. And those details are very important. The details are important not just because they give us context to understand how the story actually unfolded, but also those details help us confirm, they help us demonstrate that the Bible treats Noah's story as literal history. In other words, the Bible is very clear that the story of Noah is not allegorical or mythological or just sort of a grand morality tale. The Bible is very clear that the story of Noah, the ark, the animals, the worldwide flood, that all those is actually a part of our history. And it's by looking at the details that are contained in the Bible story that we can see the historicity of the story and also see the authenticity of the story. And that's what a careful reading of the Bible tells us. But a lot of people don't know the details. They know the broad outline of the story. It's been popularized in a hundred different ways, both on movies and stories and books. It's been popularized, but a lot of times in the popularization of it, the details get lost. But when we understand the details, when we get into the details, that's how we can understand and have confidence that when we read the story of Noah and the ark, we are reading literal history. Again, not just some kind of an extended allegory or some kind of a moral myth. Well, before we get into the serious stuff, today we're going to hear the second episode from Crystal Sea Books' humor series on the story of Noah and the Ark. We call these humor series Life Lessons with a Laugh. 
We use these series to encourage people to focus on the Bible and especially to think about details within the Bible that often escape our notice. We think today's life lesson may point out a couple of details in Noah's story that people sometimes gloss over but are really important. So, let's get started with Episode 2 of the Life Lessons We Can Learn from the Story of Noah and the Ark. Hi, I'm R.D. Fierro from Crystal Sea Books. On location near a serenely seamless seaside scene, savoring the softly setting sun as it settles into the surf. We're here to indulge in a bit of seaside camping and glamping to add a touch of authentic flavor to our series on life lessons from the story of Noel and the Ark. I think you mean Noah. Sure, that's what I called the boat dude, except for a couple of different letters. And I'm not sure why camping authenticity included you getting the only cot last night. There were beach critters using my shorts for shelter. Anyway, I'm here with that salty sea dog whose silhouette sets off shivers in the spines of scallops, squid, and shrimp. Uh, 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 Wait now, none of them have backbones. And the name you're looking for is Jerry. Right, Gervertebrate. Jerry. Uh, but let's not dwell on slight variations in your preferred nomenclature and just visually feast on the bounteous beauty before you as we think about what no art might have seen from the Ark. You mean before or after the 40 continuous days of gale-like conditions? Eh, tut tut, Jerry Kane. As the old saying goes, if you want rainbows, you have to put up with a little rain. A little rain? Dude, what squid ink have you been squirting? The Bible says the floodgates of the sky were open. Not to mention that fountains of the great deep also burst open. Well, Jerry Kane, you do have a valid point. The Bible says that the floodwaters came upon the earth and that all the flesh on the earth perished. After it did, I suspect most folks would have been doing the rainbow regret rap. Blue sky went bye-bye, gray sky then awry, water rising way too high, green land not so dry, brown boat floating fine, should have heated Noah's light, yellow sun gone to bed. Brian, eyes now turning red. Purple faces, all you see. All that's telling it. me. I got it. Let me give it a try. Here we go. Blue sky went bye bye. Gray sky then arrived. Water rising way too high. Green land not so dry. Brown boat floating fine. Should have heated Noah's line. Yellow sun gone to bed. Crying eyes now turning red. Purple faces, all you see. All that's telling me. If God sends a sign, best always get in line. If God sends a sign, best always get in line. Get in line. Get in line. But did you ever notice that before the rains ever started, the Lord had a plan to replenish the earth with life? And as amazing as it is to us today, that plan included Noah becoming a father when he was over 500 years old. Whoa, talk about waiting to have kids. That's really waiting. I barely had the energy for kids when I was in my 20s. Well, turns out that even at 500, Noah was only middle-aged. 
he eventually lived to be 950 years old. Ooh, I hope he had a good financial planner. That's a long time for your retirement money to hold out. Uh, not sure about that, Jeremula. I'm not an expert on mid-third millennial BC investment strategies or financial derivatives. What I do know is that it's a good thing that Noah decided to go ahead and indulge in purposeful, positive parental procreation, because I suspect his sons were pretty important in helping him build the ark. True that. There's a lot that goes into boat building that's way easier with a crew than by yourself. Like positioning the big screen TV in the lounge. Hard to do it if you have to keep jumping up to adjust it. I don't think the Ark had a big screen, my luxury-oriented friend. After all, there were limited channels in those days, and likely most of them were off the air during the time the water was, you know, covering everything. Still, if we had more light, we could easily see the point you're making. Lots of the work necessary to finish the Ark would have been easier with the kids helping. The big trick would have been to keep everyone organized. Man, we have hard enough time coordinating Thanksgiving dinner at my house. Six pumpkin pies again? Did anyone bring vegetables? I did. I hope everyone likes garlic, Brussels sprouts, and zesty cauliflower florets. Anywho, the Bible says that Noah had three sons after the age of 500, and his sons all got married. So even though Noah usually gets top billing in the promotional literature, building the ark was really a family affair. Interesting. I never thought about that. Makes me feel all warm and drippy. Ooh, like those marshmallows we toasted on sticks last night. I agree completely about the marshmallows. The big point is that when the Lord decided to save Noah, his nautical blueprint also included Noah's family. So you see how having strong, close families is part of the Lord's plan, right? Absolutely. Families that work and pray together are able to do things that would be impossible for them to accomplish without each other. So right, Jeremax. So right. Your insights shine so fine, they're like a divine sign from a diamond mine. Hey, where's all that light coming from? And speaking of family, R.G., uh, it, it's, it's R.D., and wait, is that a bus pulling into the parking lot? Not quite, R.D., not quite. That's my brother-in-law in his music star quality motorhome. Tonight, you can keep the cot. He's got three double beds in that thing. Oh, and a big screen. Uh, so much for my night vision of authentic Crystal Seaside fair and flare. Well, R.D., when the seas roared, Noah climbed on board where the victuals were stored. So he enjoyed his reward and gave praise to the Lord. Now I'm going to do the same. Again, Chair Electric, you have grabbed extra scoops of creamy wisdom from the freezer of that big stainless steel refrigerator of biblical truth. The secret is to get one with the roll-out drawers so you can always reach the stuff in the back without getting freezy fingers. Well, that's it from Jeremy. Oh, and it's still Jerry. Me, R.D., and the whole Crystal Sea, formerly Beach Crew, for today. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where... We're, we're not famous, but our boss is. So, you're still coming up with new names for Jerry, but they do seem to fit the points under discussion. I kind of like Jerricane, but I'm sure the weather that accompanied the arrival of the flood isn't the only detail you were referring to 
when you said there were details about the story you wanted listeners to re-examine. Yes. And let me just note uh, before we start our discussion that thankfully, Jerry is a really good sport about my challenges with tricky two-syllable names. And so we have a good time when we do our life lessons with a laugh, and Jerry's a great sport about that. But you're certainly right that the weather is not the only detail that I want to focus on today. But before we move on to today's discussion, let's just remember a few of the key points that we made in our first episode of this series on Noah. One of those lessons that we saw last time is that the story of Noah and the ark is important to the overall history of redemption that had begun in the Garden of Eden. We have to remember that if God had not saved Noah and Noah's family, the human race would have ceased to exist. Now, that would obviously have meant that one of the promises that God made to Eve in the Garden of Eden, the promise that one of Eve's descendants would crush the head of Satan, if Noah had not survived through the flood and the human race had not been preserved, then that promise that God made to Eve would have gone unfulfilled. And obviously, God is never going to let one of his unconditional promises go unfulfilled. God's promise to Eve that one of her descendants would produce Satan's final defeat was essentially the first pronouncement of the gospel, the good news that God was going to redeem a people for himself. So it's fair to say that that promise by God was the start of the covenant of grace. Some of the covenants God creates with man are conditional, but some are unconditional. The covenant of grace is unconditional meaning that the covenant is not dependent on man for its fulfillment. This meant that God was going to ensure that the covenant of grace was brought to fruition regardless of man's behavior. God preserving Noah and Noah's family was part of God's continuing action to fulfill the covenant of grace. By contrast, the covenant of works, which preceded the covenant of grace, was conditional. The covenant of works said that if Adam and Eve obeyed God's commandment not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would not experience death and they would continue to enjoy the blessings of Eden. Obviously, Adam and Eve didn't keep their end of the bargain. This caused them to be exiled from Eden and for death to enter the created order. Yes. So, one important lesson that we get from the story of Noah, and we touched on this last time, is that Noah's story is an important part of God's overall plan of redemption. Through his preservation of Noah and Noah's family, God was continuing to shepherd to fruition his covenant of grace. Now, another lesson that we touched on our first episode was that Noah lived during a period of extreme wickedness. The wickedness was so great among mankind on the earth that the Bible tells us that God was sorry that he had ever put man on the earth. But despite the widespread wickedness on the earth, God saw that Noah was a righteous man. So God graciously preserved life on the earth through Noah and Noah's family. So a second critical point that we want to acknowledge is that the reason that we know Noah's name today, the reason he's a hero of the Bible, is because Noah obeyed God. You know, what made Noah special was not some remarkable ability that Noah possessed. What made Noah special was that out of all of the people who were alive on the earth in his day, Noah was the one man who was willing to listen to God and to obey God's instructions. Wow, that's something we rarely think about. 
There are some people in the Bible who are described as having truly remarkable individual abilities, gifts from God to be sure, but still the person is still described as being extraordinary for some reason. Samson had his strength. Solomon had wisdom. David had military ability, poetic and music skills, and was physically attractive. Esther was a woman of remarkable poise and courage. But we don't have any indication that Noah possessed any special abilities. The Bible says that Noah did everything as God had commanded him. So that's an ability we can all emulate. We can all be obedient to God. Exactly. We can all choose to obey God, or we can choose to not obey God. But because of his obedience, God used Noah to preserve the human and animal life on the earth. And who can know what God could do through any of us today if we choose to display the same kind of obedience that Noah did? But let's be really clear about one thing. The only reason that Noah's obedience is truly significant is if the story of Noah is true. If the story of Noah somehow weren't true, if it weren't real history, Noah's story would lose any significance to God's grand plan of redemption. If Noah's story is not true, and I mean true literally, as an event that actually occurred in history, then all of the significance that we derive by studying the story of Noah would be lost. Not to belabor this point too much, but if you run out of milk and there's no milk in the refrigerator, if someone doesn't go to the store and actually buy milk, there's still not going to be any milk in the fridge. Well, the same thing is true about the story of Noah and the ark. If Noah hadn't actually built the ark in the way that God instructed, Noah's family wouldn't have survived the flood and none of us would be here today. So a third point that we mentioned in our first episode was that the Bible clearly teaches that Noah's story is a true story about an event that is historical, not allegorical or mythical. Well, in a culture where we're confronted by relativism on every corner, a discussion about the truth of a Bible story as amazing as that of Noah and the Ark is pretty challenging. Yes, but as Christians, we really don't have any choice. You know, as we heard in our second opening scripture for today, Jesus treated the story of Noah and a worldwide flood as history. So, as Christians, Jesus has completely settled the question for us as to whether Noah was a historical figure and whether there was ever a worldwide flood. You're thinking that in the verse we heard from Matthew, Jesus compared the situation that will exist on earth just before his return to the situation that was on earth just before the flood. In doing so, Jesus removed any doubt about whether the Genesis 6 flood was a historical event, as opposed to just being an allegorical tale designed to teach some lessons on ethics and morality. Jesus referred to Noah as a real person who lived in a real culture, living real lives having parties and banquets and going to weddings. And Jesus also refers to the lack of awareness on the part of the people of the danger they were in. So, if we believe that Jesus will really return at some point in the future, that Jesus' return will be a literal, historical event. We are compelled to believe that the historical parallel he cited was also historically literal. And even more than that, if Jesus were mistaken about the historical accuracy of the flood in Noah, then that would mean that Jesus was capable of error. And that would directly contradict the Christian claim that Jesus is God. Because as God, Jesus must be perfect. 
That's one of the reasons that Crystal C has produced our humorous, but still necessary, life lesson series on Noah. And it's one of the reasons we wanted to do this series of episodes on Anchored by Truth. Besides being well-known and entertaining, the story of Noah has implications for many of the larger issues that we need to talk about with respect to the Christian faith. So we want listeners to go back and examine the story for themselves. And hopefully when they do so, they will discover some insights that they may have missed before if they weren't careful about looking at the details. And so certainly one of those larger points that comes out of the story of Noah when you read the New Testament is that if the story of Noah isn't true, then Jesus would be disqualified from being our Savior. And that would be a pretty serious problem. Yes, it would be. So what other additional points did you want to bring out today? Well, there are at least two other thoughts I wanted to get to. Which are? Well, one of the thoughts is encouraging, and the other is more sobering. Then let's begin with a little encouragement. What is the encouraging thought you wanted to bring out? Well, the encouraging observation is that when you pay careful attention to what actually happened with the story of Noah, the encouraging observation is that Jesus can save us and our families even when the broader culture is failing. Again, back to the detail of the Noah story that Noah lived during a very wicked time. The worldwide flood wasn't just an event that happened haphazardly during world history. There was a reason that God brought a flood to the entire world. Remember that the Bible is very clear that Noah lived during a time of exceedingly great wickedness. Wickedness was widespread. And so it was because of that widespread wickedness that God basically decided that he was going to start all over with the human race. Now, I don't want to say that our time resembles the time of Noah. Uh, Hopefully the wickedness that we see around us today is nowhere near as widespread as it was during Noah's period. But even if the wickedness were as great as that, The example that we have from the story of Noah and the ark is that God has the ability to preserve us. God has the ability to preserve his faithful people through times of even extreme wickedness. God's preservation of Noah and his family from the worldwide flood, him pulling them out of a culture in which the wickedness was exceedingly widespread, well, that is a very graphic illustration of the fact that God knows how to protect and preserve his people. And I think that's something that we need to think about, especially with things that are going on within the culture, in our own country, and even around the world. Sometimes we can have a tendency to start to look at things and become, frankly, uh, very depressed or even despondent because we start to think that there is no hope. But the story of Noah reminds us that God is always there to superintend the actions that are going on. And God is sovereign over all of the events of history, not only the events of world history, but he's sovereign over the events of the history of our lives. And so the illustration of Noah and the ark and their preservation, that is a graphic illustration of the fact that God knows how to preserve his people. And even though during times that seem to us as if we can't find any reason for hope, God always gives us a reason for hope because God can and does preserve and protect his people. That is an encouraging thought. I think with all that has happened in the world and in our country in the last several months, It's easy for Christians to become discouraged, to believe that we are living in unprecedented times. 
But even if we are, there is absolutely no power in the created universe that can pry us out of God's hand. If God could protect Noah from a catastrophe that destroyed all the people on earth, besides Noah and his family, and every land, animal, and bird, except those that were with him in the ark, if God could save Noah from that devastation, God can certainly take care of his people today. Yes. Well, the sobering observation is that even though Noah and his family were saved from death, their preservation still required them to exercise real courage, real faith, real effort, and real perseverance. You know, the Lord told Noah how to build the ark, but it still took Noah likely 50 to 75 years of hard work to build the ark. Noah still had to put in the work. The Lord gave Noah the means to save his family. He allowed Noah to save his wife, his sons, and even his daughters-in-law. But Noah's wife and his sons and his daughters-in-law still lost all of their friends, and they lost all of their other family members, even while their own lives were being preserved. So, even though the Lord was gracious to Noah and his family, and to us for that matter, their preservation, their protection, still required real effort and real courage and real faith. So we need to always bear in mind that the Lord certainly wants to save us and protect us, but we have to be willing to do our own part. Sometimes my wife jokingly says that the Lord may give us the guidance and direction, but he still expects us to do our own homework. And I think that's one of the lessons that we get, again, when we look at the details of the story of Noah. That is a really important point. It must have been terrifying to Noah's family when literally the worst storm in Earth's history was raging all around them. The ark was probably being pounded by debris crashing into it and the waves would have been monstrous, not to mention gale-like conditions lasting 40 days. Even though they were safe inside the ark, that didn't mean they didn't experience some truly terrifying moments as the flood unfolded outside. And of course, the whole time they had to continue to care for a bunch of animals that needed care every day regardless of what the family was enduring. Exactly. We need to remember that the Lord's providential care doesn't relieve us of our responsibility to follow His instructions. And some of His instructions are tough to follow sometimes. Remember the instructions He gave to Joshua to be strong and very courageous, or the instruction that he gave to Habakkuk to walk by faith and not by sight. The Lord can take us through the storm, but we still have to exercise our faith, and we have to remain obedient while the Lord is taking us through the storm. Sounds like a perfect time to close with prayer. Since godly fathers and mothers are so important to families in our communities, How about if today we close with a prayer for mothers? A prayer for mothers. Father of beauty and grace, your care and affection for your children never grows old or weary, and no matter how trying our struggles, we can always come home to you. Lord, I thank you that you have given me a loving family and a wonderful mother. Loving families provide us an immediate and tangible experience of the love that you have for us. I pray that you would bless and protect my mother, hold her close to you, and provide for all her needs. I pray for health and strength for her. I pray that you would surround her with friends and companions. 
I know that she loves being with family, and I pray that ours will always be a close one. But I also know that there are times when she needs to be with good friends who can provide her with the companionship that comes from a set of truly devoted friends. I pray that she would be a blessing to them and they to her. I pray that you would provide for her financial and material needs, especially during uncertain times. Let us be able to help her as she needs our support and help us always to be attentive to the unspoken needs. Help me to know how to bring joy into her life. Help me to slow down when necessary to be with her and talk to her, reminding me that someday I will hope that others will do the same for me. Bless my mother by drawing her ever closer to you. In Christ's name, I pray and give thanks. Amen. We'd like to remind our audience that a lot of our radio episodes are linked together in series of topics. So if they've missed any episodes, or if they just want to hear one again, all of these episodes are available on your favorite podcast app. To find them, just search on Anchored by Truth by Crystal Sea Books. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage some friends to tune in also, or listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where we're not famous, but our boss is.